fan, Ben Annis, Frank Gunning. We need the committee in the NFL, okay? Like, they were right. Sorry, Florida State. But you, you, you were rightly. Not yeah, I <laughs> College think so. football. <laughs> I think so. Off. Final score uh, in the Orange Bowl against Georgia is 63 to three. I feel like I should probably mention here that once uh, once Florida State got taken out of the the big bowl games, that the basically half the team was like, "We're good." Actually, yeah. uh, you sure. don't think we should play in a game that matters? We don't think we should play in this game. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. I know, I know. Why let but, that get in the way of a good story? Mm, I don't want to do that. I think the two games that we got in the college oh, football playoff semifinal. So Word that's fine. Like, I'm still cool with that. Still sad that Texas isn't just as a completely neutral observer. Sure. Like I know Michael Penix Jr. is an incredible story and fun to watch mm-hmm. and all that, and you know could factor in quite quite in a big way in the NFL draft. But yeah, something about Texas, Michigan, sure. or Texas, Bama. If we would have got that, either or, and mm-hmm. hey, no slouch. I actually am. So it's funny at college football. I always feel myself like when it starts coming around. I'm like, ooh, this is exciting. It's a new mm-hmm. sport because it starts up like before hockey normally does or basketball or the NFL for that matter. Then I kind of go by the wayside. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll catch up. Mm-hmm. And then this time of year, it's the best. You get your final four. I don't know how I'll feel next year when we get the, I think it's 12 team mm-hmm. playoff where there's buys and it's not going to feel as big when it's the 10, you know, the 10 seed versus a three seed or, or whoever it is. There's something about the final four it really does make it feel. Yeah. Yeah, well, it doesn't make it feel it literally is penultimate. Yeah. I, the reason I bring it up, the reason I say we need the committee mm-hmm. is because we head into week 18 of the NFL regular season, final week of the regular season, two games tomorrow, and then all the, the, the rest of the games on Sunday. Of course, no Monday night football, final week of the season. Or Thursday night. Thank yeah. goodness. There was not we a We had Thursday other stuff nighter. to do last night. We needed. Uh, yeah, it's true. But, uh, and the Bills are going to wrap up week 18 with the Sunday nighter against the Dolphins in Miami. There's a... A not like unrealistic scenario in which Mason Rudolph is playing playoff games for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Josh Allen and the Bills are at home. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like the Steelers team has been a slog to watch. They're a little bit better since the Matt Canada expulsion. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got it a lot of it. Yeah, and and they're they're going to finish above five hundred. Mike Tomlin, an incredible job despite the fact that this was a team many people were picking to be like a sleeper Super Bowl contender at the beginning of the season. They had obvious flaws, and still they played in a great division and find themselves above 500. They got Tyler Huntley Mm -hmm. upcoming tomorrow and a Ravens team with nothing to play for. Now that it's still the NFL, and yeah, we, we saw at the end of last season a Lions team with nothing to play for knock Aaron Rodgers and the Packers out of the playoffs. Week Mm -hmm. 18, so that can still happen. But all they have to do, the Steelers do, is beat a Ravens team again with their backup quarterback and nothing to play for, and I imagine no starters in the second half, and the Bills have to lose in Miami. The Bills are out. Mm -hmm. Or they win, and they're the two seed in the AFC. And so, like, that, steal yourself for that possibility in the discourse on Monday in Buffalo that a team that had a very up and down year and like after four weeks, we we're talking about them maybe being the best incarnation of themselves and the, the, the best opportunity to win a Super Bowl. And I think that might actually still exist, cons- yep. and, but it's more as a result of the rest of the AFC mm-hmm. being diminished, but be prepared for that team losing a nail biter 
in Miami to a Dolphins team that's fraudulent, yes. but it's very difficult to beat a team twice mm-hmm. in the same division, being on the outside of the playoff picture looking in on Monday. Yeah, it is. It's remarkable the different roads that can come out of that game. I would just like to give you a preview of that conversation should the Bills actually get in. It will not be that the... This is proof positive that the AFC East is full of frauds is all it is. That's what... That is what will be happening If they don't here. get in? No, if they, if they... Even if they win the division, I think that you're going to look at it and say, the Bills didn't go out there and have some incredible season start to finish where they took the AFC East crown. No, the Dolphins capitulated it. The Jets season went in the tank right away. And the Patriots are quite honestly, like a nuclear fallout level disaster right now. So I think that's, that's the way it'll kind of be, be, be looked at. And that's not necessarily fair to Buffalo, but I do think that'll be a lot of people's perception of it. They're unbeaten since the bye yeah. uh, against uh, three to four playoff teams, right? Chiefs, yep. Cowboys, Oh, uh, well, sorry, not uh, not the Chargers. So, dude, 50% playoff teams. But they're still 4-0, okay? They got themselves off the mat. Uh, after a 6-6 six and six start, they're 10-6, and six, and they do have everything at their fingertips uh, in Miami in the uh, Sunday nighter against the Dolphins. Let's talk to Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS, headed into the final weekend of the NFL's regular season. How's it going, Charles? Going great. How about you guys? Happy New Year to you officially, I guess, because mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. Did we talk? Did we not? I no, we didn't. But no. anyway, happy New Year to you and everyone who can hear our voice. Yeah, no, we appreciate it, Charles. And yeah, we'll allow it, uh, despite it being January the 5th, because yeah, it's the first time we've talked in in the new year. Um, so yeah, to, to the point about this Bills team, who find themselves either being the second seed in the AFC or on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, um, it does look like Tua is, is maybe not going to be fully healthy, but is going to play on, right. on Sunday, but no chub for that Dolphins team. And obviously they, they've, you know, stubbed their toes a little bit here at the end of the regular season. The Bills catching them at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. And also style-wise, the Bills are a bad match for Miami because when you look at who Miami lost to this year, when those teams were playing at the time that Miami played them, and they were playing well. Philadelphia would be one of those teams. Baltimore, we just saw last week. Buffalo earlier this year. They, they, they are able to adapt pretty quickly to the speed of Miami because all those games were like track meets early, and then they settled in. And once they settled in, the defenses for both of the, all those teams I just mentioned took control of the game, and that changed everything for Miami. So it's a very odd mix. When Miami's in Miami, a lot better obviously. So Buffalo's got to deal with that being on the road. But I just think the style of how Buffalo plays and what they've done defensively lately and add in Joe Brady as the new offensive coordinator, who I think is in in better sync with Sean McDermott as a head coach and defensive coordinator, because he actually will hand the ball to the running backs and consistently keep handing the ball to the running back. Other Other offensive coordinators really didn't do that. And look, Buffalo's was successful, but added this run element, and I think that that helps their defense as well as their offense. Yeah, this is the best they've looked since since it was Dable calling calling the plays. I, I think you could you could make the argument there. And it's funny with the run game. Like we have talked so much about Buffalo in that. Quite honestly, the entire Josh Allen era early on in his career it was well, he is the running back, and then they they tried to kind of you know rightfully so kind of peel him back from that role. And yeah, mixing in mixing in you know traditional running plays has helped so much. And yeah, Joe Joe Brady has been kind of you know transcendent in in that role. You know, we're gonna see the Steelers play tomorrow and. Before I dive into that game with you, I just kind of wanted to ask you about 
Mike Tomlin. I'm not going to sit here and say he's underappreciated, but it feels like when we talk about him, we talk about him as one of the great coaches of our era or one of the all-time high-floor guys. He has the same amount of wins as Bill Parcells with 30 less losses and an extra Super Bowl. Do we give Mike Tomlin enough credit for the all-time great coach he is. I mean, we talk about Reed in that breath, rightfully so. Of course, we talk about Belichick in that breath, but I don't know that... I'm not putting Tomlin quite on their level, but man, I don't know that he quite gets the due as not a right-now great, but an all-time great. Yeah, I think that it's one of those strange things that in the midst of it, you don't quite get it, and then when we get a little time and we look back, I think you're already doing that in a sense with the appreciation that Better take a good look at what we're talking about here. If he has a second Super Bowl title, which I don't think is likely this year, okay, but if somehow he was able to have the second Super Bowl title, that's when the appreciation really flows. Because if you think about Andy Reid and where we are now and how venerated Andy Reid is, was he this venerated before he added his Super Bowl titles? No. And he was winning it. He was winning at a really good clip. Like he was when he won big at Philadelphia until the end. Kansas City's done nothing but win big. And then when they got, you know, jumped on in, in the second Super Bowl, right, by by Tampa Bay, people were like, ah, you know, Andy's a great coach, but there was always that part of it. It's somehow the second Super Bowl makes you different. I don't know why, but it does. And I think that's part of what we what goes on with Mike Tomlin. I think the best way to sum it up is within the Pittsburgh market which is frustrated because they haven't won a playoff game in a bunch of years, right? Mm-hmm. They haven't gone deep in the playoffs because they haven't won a playoff game. They're, 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 they're tired of everyone saying, well, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. That's an incredible record, 17 straight years. They're like, oh, we can't get better when we don't have losing season because <laughs> we can't draft the ball. This is all the local. I think Travis and Jason Kelsey on their podcast, put it. they told the world what maybe the world didn't understand. Players in the league would jump for the chance to play for Mike Tomlin. Mm. Like when players talk amongst themselves, hey, how's your coach? How's your coach? How's your coach? Mike Tomlin gets nothing but check marks and thumbs up, and you ought to go play for him, and you ought to do this. Travis Kelsey has never played a down for Mike Tomlin. Did you hear how he talked about him? So uh, I'm just saying the words out amongst the players, people would jump for that. They need to fix their offense. It hasn't been fixed in a few years now. They've got to get that done. But for him to do what he does year in and year out, motivate a team that could go south year in and year out, it doesn't. Yeah, I would say he doesn't get enough appreciation for that. But a big part of it is he needs a second Super Bowl win, and then everyone will just go away from all of that. Yeah, no doubt all-time conversations about Mike Tomlin that that's the case. What about this season, right? They're 4-1 and one in a division uh, that has no teams with losing records. I know they have a minus 27 point differential. Yeah, they can be the in the play. They can be in the playoffs. And I know also they're a disappointment considering so many people pick them as a sexy, like underdog sleeper or yeah. Super Bowl contender, but they could be in the playoffs considering, well, the, the, the lack of production they've got offensively, they fired an OC, like they could be 10 and seven and in the playoffs with Mason Rudolph. How do you evaluate their season? You know, that just tells you what what we were talking about, about Mike Tomlin, the ability to have a team in the mix, in the mix of things that really shouldn't be in the mix of things, right? When you put it all together, you just mentioned where they minus what, 27, you know, in terms of points. And yet you have a winning record. Somehow you're finding ways to win. It's not all luck. You can't go 17 games and the ball always bounces your way. And that's how you get to these wins with a bad team. 
the only thing that you come back you come back to on all of this is is he a master motivator? Absolutely. Is he a strategist? Absolutely. Is he a guy that, that figures the things out as things go? Absolutely. You put it all together and guys will be extremely positive. But if I were sitting with Coach Tomlin, I'd just have to say, what's with the offense? Like this is not a new thing. Okay. Loyalty may have been part of it. He hung with Matt Canada a long time. The guys he has doing the offense now, I'm not sure that they will be the coordinator next year. They've got to figure out if Kenny Pickett truly is their quarterback going forward because Mason Rudolph's playing pretty well for them, and he was their third quarterback. So a number of things come into mind. They've got to fix the offensive side of the ball because you can't, you really shouldn't go year in and year out in, the, in today's NFL where your defense and your kicking game bails you out all the time. The game isn't constructed the way it was when I was a kid. Okay, you've got to be able to score points and make things a little bit easier on those guys on the other side of the ball. And he's getting some age with some of his better defenders. So all that has to be figured out. But would I send someone to play for Mike Tomlin? In an absolute heartbeat. And I know that they would be successful. Yeah, it is certainly a little bit backwards in, in the, well, I was about to say 2023. In 2024's NFL to say we got the defense and special teams figured out. Very important, but uh, yeah, we know you need to score. I'm not saying you want to be the Dolphins where where maybe that's all you're worried yeah. about any given day, but uh, you need a balance of the two. I, I wonder, and you'd have you'd have a good mindset into this, of of what's going through, you know, the what, what's the mindset like in some of these locker rooms? I think of a team like the Titans. I think of a team like the Bears who... They don't have anything to play for, but it's the NFL. You you can't take any game lightly there just because you're going to get yourself killed, quite frankly, if you do. What does it mean to these teams yeah. to play spoilers? And is it different for those two teams I mentioned there where there's real rivalries and division stuff at play? It's not just, all right, let's, let's end this team season. It's no, let's end this team who our fans hate season. Like how much more does that add to the motivation or the, the juice for a game that a team's that's already been eliminated? Yeah, I think for the teams that have the good culture, the good pride, it, it, it adds it adds plenty. And I, I like that you brought up Titans and Bears, and let's just take them very quickly. Titans, last year, how did their season end? Jacksonville beat them head-to-head, and Jacksonville advanced to the playoffs, and the Titans did not. Mm-hmm. After the Titans had pretty much set the pace the whole year in the division. Remember, we had given the Titans a division somewhere around midseason, mm-hmm. and then it looked like a lock, and somehow it didn't. So they'd love to flip it around and return the favor. Plus, there's all the uncertainty swirling around what's going to happen at the end of the season, back-to-back years that were disappointing for them, et cetera, et cetera. And you're playing for your job. You're playing to be in the league next year. So that pride kicks in as well. For the Bears, the momentum's in the entirely different direction. They may have a losing record. They may not be going to the playoffs. But have you seen them play lately? Defense is playing really well. Justin Fields is playing the best that he has played. They now know that they have probably the top pick in the NFL draft and a second pick in the first round still to come to them. They are building. They're playing better. Now they've got decisions to make. Is Justin Fields the guy, or do we still spend it on the quarterback? Do we just give him some help? But they're playing well. And it looked like Matt Eberflew, their coach, was gone. Mm-hmm. I think he's staying. I don't think he's going anywhere. I feel like they are moving in the right direction. They feel confident about it. And, oh, by the way, they're playing Green Bay, who's playing a win or win and in game. The Bears hate the Packers, as you well know. And the Packers have been kicking the Bears around for the last, what, 15 years? I mean, just, just putting the boots to them. How much fun would it be for Chicago to roll into Green Bay and send Green Bay home. Remember last year, Detroit did it on Sunday night football, and Green Bay got kicked out of the playoffs. The Bears would like their turn at that as well. So I think you bring up really good points. 
Uh, game you're calling. Uh, Eagles do not control their destiny when it comes to the NFC East. They need the the Cowboys to lose to the Commanders, which it seems like a, a, that's a tough ask. Uh, but like it does yeah. feel like no Lost team to last year. Yeah, it's true. Division. Same game, same same exact game. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. It, within the division, you're right, and it is the Cowboys after all. But like it does feel yes. like just from like a, a a karmic standpoint, like nobody needs yeah. a win and nobody needs to put the boots to an opponent more than the Eagles do with the AJ Brown of it all. That's kind of a over the yeah. last week like what, what what is your sense out of that locker room headed into uh, the Meadowlands this weekend I think that they are really at the point where they understand that if the Cowboys lose and they win they win the division okay yay but for them it's much bigger and when I say much bigger meaning they already know they're in the playoffs and as you guys have noted noticed over the you know, last three four years home field advantage has not been the same like, it used to be a, a pronounced deal for the home team to have it. We're really more 50-50 these days. So teams that are good can roll into other places and get it done. So you don't worry about that quite as much. Sure, you'd love to be at home, but it's not as big a deal as it used to be. And last but not least, they just want to do exactly what you talked about. They need a win. They need a convincing win. They need a win where they play well for four quarters. They need a win where it looks right. We, you know, it's been a while. You know, you realize they're one and four in their last five. The only win two weeks ago against these New York Giants where they were beating up on the Giants, and then they got close at the end. They had to intercept a pass in the end zone and then the ball game. They don't want that type of a game. They want a game where they can put their helmets up, everybody can smile and dap it up on the way out and watch the backups play and everyone get ready for the playoffs. But that's easier said than done. And the last thing I'll say is I noticed A.J. Brown addressed all the issues of the last two weeks in front of his locker yesterday, apologized to his team for putting them through it. Because the one thing he said that rings for me, and this is the thing people have to understand, when you are the focus of all the articles and things and you're not talking, guess who has to, guess who we go to to ask questions? Everybody else. All your teammates. And all your teammates got to answer your questions. And that becomes a load. That becomes a burden. And everyone loves AJ, but they're like, yo, dude, get up here and talk because I'm sick of talking about you. Okay? (laughs) Done with that. And so that's what he needed to do, and he did it well. Now they just need to have that cleansing breath, have a little woo-side moment, and see if they can play a complete game against a Giants team that obviously has gone south. Yeah, I think that's all really, really well said. The the question I have about the Eagles, and it's not so much about the Eagles, because I think this point could stand across, you know, uh, plenty of teams in the NFL or plenty of teams across sport is we always talk about the idea of culture and somebody who's built something yeah. up there. And it felt like the Eagles, you go back to last year's team and them, you know, the buzzsaw and even the flaws that they had early in the year. And they were just able to find a way and persevere and overcome. And we're sitting there going, oh, that's a team with great culture. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you they have a terrible one now, but all of a sudden you lose some games and maybe those (laughs) things that were getting papered over don't. You know, I think of the the team we started this conversation with, the Steelers. That's real culture. Mike Tomlin has built it over more than a decade now. But sometimes when we talk about it for, you know, a guy in Sirianni who, how long has he been there? Jalen Hurts, still young in his career. It takes such a long time to actually build that up that it feels like sometimes we like to give people credit for it when maybe they don't have culture, they're just winning games. Yeah, and maybe we t- maybe we take a look at where they are as well, and, and real quick on the cities, because let's just go mm. back to Pittsburgh if we're going to use them as an example. All right, even though they're not playing to what the Steelers fans would want them to, meaning, when are we going to get back to the playoffs and be a factor again? That's what we're used to being—not just making the playoffs, not just being close to making the playoffs. We're going to be back there and be, be a factor. All that is disappointing. 
Okay, and that leads to a lot of chatter in their local market, leads to articles about Tomlin's got to do this. Okay, all that's being said and understood. But the way they play, the grit, the defense, the big plays, renegade in the fourth quarter to get the defense fired up again, that has never wavered. Okay, so the city's identity is still intact with their ball club. They love that. That part is cool. Flip over to Philadelphia. In that city, as you guys know quite well, (laughs) everything that was cute when you're winning becomes fair game when you're losing. Nick Sirianni has 15 pins in his hat. Hey, look at our coach. He's different. How about our coach? (laughs) One and four right now. Hey, this is Bobby from Philly. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. You come take those friggin' pins out of his hat and start designing some friggin' blades. Okay? That's how it goes, right? Nick Sirianni, hey, he, he's, he's taunting fans on the way out of the game because, you know, his team just won a big game. Look at our coach. He's got some spirit, doesn't he? Uh-huh. Now they're one and four. Hey, Sirianni, why don't you focus on your own team? <laughs> that's how it works in Philadelphia. That's how Philly works, and that's what he understands and knows. Very quickly, remember earlier this year the, the Philly fans were upset because they didn't run the ball enough, yes. and the fans showed up outside the outside the uh, practice facility, and Sirianni pulls up at 6 in the morning. There's fans holding signs saying, run the ball. And he laughed, and he sent them coffee and the whole deal. Mm. Now in the midst of the 1-4, and four, fans are showing up with run the ball, play better defense, trade this guy, fire <laughs> this guy. There's not enough coffee to send out to people right no. now. <laughs> this is how it works in Philadelphia. So he's got you know, to bear the brunt of it. Weather the storm, and the best way to weather it, get back on track and win games. But the issue I see with them more than anything is the defense has regressed. Oh they made a change of coordinator. They, they're, since Patricia's taken over, the numbers are worse. <laughs> so I'm not sure what they're going to do because the talent over there says they should be really good on defense. Why they are not, that's got to be figured out because their numbers going into the playoffs suggest a very short playoff run. Uh, they sure do, which is uh, shocking to, to, to be saying after uh, the start that they got off to this season. Uh, Charles, it's been uh, great to chat during the regular season. Uh, we'll talk again next week. Thanks, buddy. I look forward to it. And keep Austin Matthews putting those pucks in the net, man. That's, I love that. That's the plan. All-star. Thanks, Charles. All right. Be good. You too. Charles Davis, NFL on CBS. I mean, that's got to be the biggest narrative switch over the course of the 18-week NFL regular season. The not, Eagles, to, right? not to geniuses like you who have been telling me all the time to cool my jets. I, not to geniuses like yeah. yourself. But, yeah, you're right. I don't know. I've, yeah, we've pit the Eagles and the Chiefs against each other. And now, but you the, were, now the 49ers and Ravens are going to meet in the Super Bowl, and we're both dummies. Yeah. The I Bills. Guess. No, the Bills. I don't know. Anything. I mean, <laughs> Where where has your mind changed the most over the course of this regular season in the NFL? Because for me, like, I don't know how you can put anybody up against what's happened to the Eagles getting off to the undefeated start and they finally lose to the Jets. And so, oh, that's a silly, fun little. And now they've lost four of their last five yeah. and they, they're allowing 30 plus points to the Cardinals in games that they have to win to like, that's not a meaningless game. No. When you have the division title at your fingertips and they just freighted it away to the Cowboys. And now it's, this is a team that was in the Super Bowl a mm-hmm. year ago. You're like, oh, well, they they could lose to anybody. They just did lose to anybody, the Cardinals last week. Yeah, I think I think Charles, and no shocker, he nailed it at the end there. The most surprising part of it is the defense going, going to dust. The, if you would have told me that the Eagles offense would dry up and Jalen Hurts would have some challenges and there'd be infighting among a receiver core, okay, sure. that happens 15 times a season to, to 32 teams in the NFL. I'd have no problem believing that. But 
all we talked about is that machine that is the Eagles defense last year and early on this season. And it's normally when this happens, you can do the Buffalo Bills thing where you point to, ah, well, they lost a key guy at every level of the defense. And that's why they've fallen off a cliff the way they have. That hasn't happened. They have not been any more banged up or injured than any other team in the NFL. They got an absolute steal at nine in the draft in Jalen Carter, a guy who looked like a beast through the first 10, 11 weeks of the season. You watch Eagles games now, you barely notice him. And I don't want to put this all on one guy, but he is very symptomatic of the Mm. problem there. You have great defensive players that are not making an impact. And I don't know how you can look at it as anything other than scheme. You don't want to completely take the players off the hook because they got to play. But obviously there was an issue with the way they were scheming or they wouldn't have made the change. And now the guy who's there is Matt Patricia, who, you know, I think sometimes it's overstated. Of, oh, look at this clown. He, look at what he did in Detroit. No, he got that job because he's very capable NFL defensive coordinator. Not that an was, OC, though. They, well, they, the Matt Patricia OC yeah. thing. Uh, no, no not, that was not, very bad. Uh, but also Matt Patricia DC may be bad now because yeah. guess what? Things evolve and things change. And that's not to say that people can't. But if they don't, they kind of get left behind. You might be seeing that in New England right now. You might be seeing it with Patricia and this Eagles defense. And yeah, thank God they didn't make him the OC there. Although yeah. if they wanted a guy to blame, he's as good as any. Yeah, the Bill Belichick coaching tree, it's a, it's, it's a rough one to look at. Uh, back to the Bills. Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Yeah, <laughs> back to the Bills for just a second. Um, with the exp- expanded playoff field in the NFL, mm-hmm. with the expanded playoff field in the NBA, which I understand, like, yeah, it's expanded in that the top 10 in each conference have a chance to get into the postseason. But, yeah, it's kind of – it's smaller because I guess you can consider the top six the true playoff field. Um but yeah, you have a chance to get in. The expanded playoff field in Major League Baseball. I, I'm of the belief in most sports now, mm. in 2024, that no good teams get left out of the playoff picture. You didn't make the playoffs? Okay, maybe you had like an argument to be made that you were oh, some bad breaks. But like, mm-hmm. there's a, a, ample opportunity to make the playoffs. You got nobody to blame but yourself if you don't make the playoffs in, in the core four major North American pro sports. That being said, because... Even in the NFC, look at who cares. Like, do I care if the Packers miss the playoffs? No, no okay, like, hey, that's a, a nice little story. And Jordan Love, okay, they can sell themselves <laughs> on him going forward. That's who cares? Who cares? But the bottom of the NFC right. playoff field, right? The Buffalo Bills are the one team that, even if they lose, right? And I get it. Like, you should be able to beat a a very flawed Dolphins team who can put up big point totals, but clearly is a paper tiger. But also mm-hmm. has some, you know. They, has not some insignificant wins and won a big one over the Cowboys and get that. And um, But, yeah, if they lose that game and they miss the playoffs because the Steelers beat Tyler Huntley and the Ravens, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I am going to point at the Bills as, as being a good team that had they gotten in, and maybe the best example of this is actually the, the 2021 Toronto Blue Jays, mm-hmm. who were a good team. Like, honestly, that's the second... If I'm going back over the last half decade of expanded playoff fields and teams that missed the playoffs who were actually good and could have made noise and could have won it all, maybe it's like the 2021 Blue Jays with Marcus Semien and Teoscar Hernandez and the Vlad at the best peak of yep. his powers, the best Vlad we've ever seen, missing the playoffs by a single game, and that single game might be the 27th out that Marcus Semien threw away in Detroit. That team and this Bills team, are the prime examples of actually good teams in this era of expanded playoffs that miss the playoffs that, man, 
if they had gotten in, they could have done it. Because it, it shouldn't happen, considering how many teams make the playoffs in all the sports. I feel very differently about the example I'm about to give, but the 23-24 Edmonton Oilers are making a case for this because they're not a good team. They just have the best in the, like, I don't know, fifth, sixth, eighth, whatever you want to do, best player in they're the gonna world. They're going to get in, though. Yeah, I think they are. I think they're going to get in, but I've seen oh, I've seen that team get cratered. So that's the only, that is the only kind of vaguely recent example I can think of there because in the NBA... It's funny, when we talk about expanded playoffs, mm-hmm. my argument for the NBA was always, yeah, go for it. It's never going to matter. It's not like some nine seed is going to go on a run and then the heat exists. Now, I, I understand where they are and they have the play-in tournament and everything, but generally speaking, a team on the outside looking in in the NBA, that's Doesn't nothing have an argument. to think about. But look where the Lakers sit in the Western Conference right now and yeah. part of the you know load management. I know they're trying to get away from it. That's the weird part about this. It hasn't happened this. yet, though. hasn't happened yet, exactly. Right, like, and the Warriors are, I think, in the outside of the play-in yeah. picture looking in in the Western Conference. Like, okay, but the Warriors kind of stink. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, uh, the, I think the argument is that all the teams you point to, you're not pointing to a team. You're pointing to a guy or two mm. guys, and I'm doing it with McDavid and Drysaddle or yeah. LeBron, or you're doing it with Curry and, uh, well, I mean, uh, Hannibal Lecter, a.k.a. Draymond Green, who's going to come back soon. But I, that's the way, that's the interesting thing to me, and I think that's why the Bills are an interesting parallel because do you think the Bills are a good team or do you think Josh Allen's really good? And is there anything, yeah. Is are those just the same thing in the NFL, especially given what the quarterback position is this year specifically? Well, and that there's no dominant force in the NFL in general, unless 49ers? you think the Niners are like, okay, they're as close to it as we got, yeah, but, but in I the mean, AFC. Well, go look at, but again, this is revisionist history or recent recency bias, not revisionist history. Go look at that swoon the Niners had in the middle yep. of the year and it is just as concerning as oh, what yeah, we've we, seen from the Eagles. We've finally seen Brock Purdy play bad games, yeah, too. That's right? true. Yeah, like that proof of concept with Brock Purdy not being good. Like, that exists. We've seen yeah. it before. So, yeah, if the Bills miss the playoffs, which it can happen. Very likely. Like the, I don't think it's going to, but it is, It is. I shouldn't say likely, very plausible. Yeah. I. And I, you know, just for dramatic sake, like I, I am rooting for the Steelers. Of course. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I mean, if you're a Bills fan, I get it. Yeah. But I mean, that would take a ton of the shine off Sunday night if if the Steelers lose oh, and to the just, Ravens tomorrow. Okay. Here we go. Well, is it not? Is it not a little weird? And I understand TV rules the day and the NFL is going to spread their tentacles to every possible open nook and cranny in, in the TV landscape they possibly can. But, you know, baseball, like mm-hmm. we got the 162, everybody plays at the exact. Is it not weird that we have Saturday games and we have a Sunday nighter? And like, I understand maybe it's just TV rules all stop talking Brent. But is it not a little weird that in, it seems like in other sports, especially where there's so much of the playoff implication, they try to really have all the games at, at the, the same, same time, time so you don't have this issue. And the NFL says, we're doing the mm. exact opposite. We're putting the game that we hope has the most at stake at the absolute last. So it has all the eyeballs on it. But to your point, we can have that game, you know, ruined, however you feel about that, depending mm-hmm. on the result of that Steelers game. Yeah, it's still going to mean something, though, I think, right? Like, it's either going to be for a, the two-seed in the AFC East title or mm-hmm. a wild-card spot, but that's different than, like, making the playoffs. And, not, and then the other game tomorrow has huge implications as well. But, like, <laughs> it's funny. They have the same record, and, you know, and 
they they can both make the playoffs in the Colts and the Texans. Mm-hmm. But I think because of quarterback reasons, you yep. look at just the Texans as a, a chance to to make noise in the AFC playoffs. Um, you you uh, you talked about the team that has surprised us the most or we've changed our mind on the most and that's the Eagles. Mm-hmm. There's no team I have felt more vindicatedly right about this season than the Steelers from the jump when everybody was running to say they were going to win 11 games or 12 games. Oh, this is the sleeper team. That team almost never works out regardless of the sport. Like sometimes a team makes a crazy off season addition. Like when, you know, the Warriors were already great, go get Kevin Durant or, you know, the Leafs signed John Tavares and you say, okay, that's probably going to work out. But generally speaking, when not a lot has changed Mm -hmm. and the entirety of a sports media landscape for a sport has gone groupthink to say we yeah. think this team's going to be great almost never works out so i just i would like to commend myself and pat myself on the back for not once mm. drinking the steelers kool-aid yeah your contrarian nature coming through for it you. really did it really did yeah good for you i don't it's funny i don't necessarily think of myself as that but i definitely am one mm. <laughs> is that not a contrarian thought real, about really, being right. a contrarian man right. okay well I am, done i am who i am all right uh, uh, <laughs> speaking of the leaves when we come back austin matthews the Leafs' lone all-star representative oh, at what? the moment. Oh, if they, they only uh, get one. Yeah. Okay, everybody gets one. But there's more to come by mm. a fan vote. And this is kind of a significant all-star game because it's in the city of Toronto. And it's going to be in the city of Toronto for the only time over the tenure of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, and John Tavares. So what does that mean? We'll talk about that coming up next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. NHL All-Star Game here in our first city. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a lot, lot of coverage. Um, it's a new format. We're going back to the to the draft. Yep. Um, there's a report. Well, so first of all, news portion of this. Mm. Yes. Austin Matthews is an all-star. <gasps> it, I, for one, I'm shocked. Yeah. Shocked. He of uh, the 30-goal season so far, on pace for almost 70. Um, leading goal scorer in the National Hockey League. He is uh, the Maple Leafs' lone representative at this point as all... 32 teams get one all-star right now. This is also a report that he's going to be, along with Connor McDavid, two of the four captains feels, of these teams. That feels like the right decision to sure. make. Sure, yeah, in, in his own city. It's in Toronto. So, again, everybody's got an all-star, so there's 32 all-stars. No, just what everyone wants is to see, I'll just pick on a guy, Boone Jenner, cruising around, just what we all want to see in an all-star game. And I love Boone Jenner and would love if the Leafs could find a way to pry him out of Columbus. Like, that's a perfect bottom six guy. Mm -hmm. I just said the words bottom six, and we're talking about the NHL all-star game. That's the way she goes, right? Um, I I understand it. Major League Baseball does the same thing. Everybody's got to have a representative. I I get it. You're trying to attract everybody from all uh, all of the markets across the National Hockey League. 12 more All-Stars to be voted in by the fans. So that's that does include four goaltenders. Eight skaters then still remaining to be voted in by the fans. And I couldn't been... send a Jackets goalie. Like we got to yeah. watch a jacket. That's true. It's goaltending in the year 2024. Yeah. If it's one of these also ran teams, just pick that goalie. Mm-hmm. And then 
it's the all-star game. Don't we want to see guys getting lit up? What's the downside? Mm. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Um, so I, I've, been, I've been digging into this thing. Like, mm. what are the parameters as far as the fan vote? Because, you know, nobody wants a John Scott situation, right? Have like, you, can have you, you just seen what the people of Ottawa are doing? No. What are they doing? Uh, there's a there's a gentleman who might have wagered or, or not wagered or actually we have no idea what what in, mm-hmm. in and of his life happened. Uh, but Shane Pinto has yet to play an NHL game oh this year. God. And can you imagine? That would be tremendous. It'd be funny. I'd be in favor of that, but I'm sure the NHL has learned its lesson and like either there's Rory some Patrick, John Scott not happening. Yeah, like there's either there's something on the books or there's something behind the scenes that won't allow that to happen. Maybe. <gasps> You're saying the fan vote might not be a Well, okay, because like if it was up to the fan vote, how are we getting any other player from outside of a Canadian franchise <laughs> into the All-Star game? Right? Like the clearly yeah. the, the All-Star game in Toronto. If it's just up to the fans, we we think there's going to be enough interest ginned up for somebody in another no, market. We don't. Then Toronto and like Edmonton, Leon Draisaitl, not yet an All Star, and I think they'll take care. Zach of Hyman in his hometown, like not yet an All Star, and of course That'll William hurt. Nylander with the incredible season he's having, um, and Mitch Marner. Not, not having a season. He's yeah, it's like top twenty-seven in points in the yeah. NHL. Like it's. It's not the hundred. Oh, sorry, not the ninety-nine point Thank season you. he had a year ago, but on on pace for more than a point a game. Like, I I do wonder how this is going to work itself out. But to the Mitch Marner of it all, mm-hmm. like clearly, if you're a Leaf fan right now, and yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, okay, because it's it's not just a like what have you done this season. It's also a popularity contest, right? But that being said, and going into the season, I might have disagreed. Like. Was Mitch Marner more popular than William Nylander coming into the season? I think there's an argument to be had. For sure. But today, as we sit here on January 5th, mm-hmm. if you're a Leaf fan, are you not voting for... If you have one vote, right. there's just one more Leaf getting in. Are you not voting for William Nylander? Not just like the, the point right. stuff. But now, like a a growing narrative around the player, the Sweden stuff, the star turn that's happening there, and where does that leave Mitch Marner? I think that you're right the way you lay out the case there. But I also think that, and I can't put myself in this headspace because uh, this is not me. But there are a big chunk of the fan base who will sit there and say, "Yeah, Austin Matthews is the best player on the Leaf. William Nylander's having a better season, but Mitch Marner is still my favorite player to watch." I still think there's a lot of mm. go. Well, Go to a Leafs game. Go walk around Scotiabank Arena. Start doing the jersey count thing. And hey, there's a lot of guys on this team, so it's not as it's not as obvious as some other places where there's really only one or maybe two numbers to wear. But you see a lot of 16. Now, the thing that I think will be interesting about the fan vote person of this, and again, like I love to like try to understand what society is like for somebody under 20 years old. But I think that's where a lot of martyrs fan base resides. I think generally speaking, if you are somebody younger, there's a reason he always thrives in. The the next gen games he mm. is much more you know just personality wise he fits in with that group like we all have the joke of oh yeah of course he plays well that's his classmates who who are here i think that there's some element to that i'm not going to pretend to know if a 13 year old like can you just do nhl fan vote on tiktok and that's a thing i i, I don't know because if that's the case then yeah i think he'll easily get in quite honestly but if it's a you got to do it on twitter you have to tag it here you have to go on the website to vote i don't know how much of that marner fan base kind of tracks over that way but i still think he is an 
incredibly popular player in this market. And there will be, and that's kind of the beauty of the core four is that Tavares feels like his own kind of separate bucket. It's like him and Riley are everybody's second favorite almost, but then it does feel like a lot of people are a Marner guy or a Nylander guy. And then everyone, you know, everyone loves Matthews and he's the best player of the bunch. But I think those two specifically still have, and it's not so much a civil war in the fan base anymore, but it is still a, are you a Marner guy? Are you a Nylander guy? Mm-hmm. There's still some element to that. And as much as people are Nylander guys this year, Nylander Thal, shout out Anthony Stewart, mm-hmm. and the, rightfully so, there are still people who love, love Mitch Marner, rightfully so. Okay, so maybe this conversation becomes stupid in the coming weeks when it's Mitch Marner that gets voted in and we're like, William Nylander is is a superstar and he's making now $11.5 million over the next eight years. <laughs> How is this guy... Not an all-star. Here's what I would say that William Nylander would think of that. Like, not oh, much. Cool. Who, who, uh, combo, I, I, yes, please. I think the other scenario is one more likely and a little different. Very because- different. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> I think Mitch Marner, one, like, understands his, like, the, what this organization mm-hmm. means to the citizens of this area. Yes. Growing up here and being a Leaf fan. And two... Mm-hmm. Believes he's on that level. And, yeah, he's been an all-star the, the previous five years. This would be the first in six years that he's not an all-star. It hasn't happened yet. I'm just projecting forward. Yeah, and, entirely and possible. It's not having a bad year, but this is a guy that – I was just at the game in, in Buffalo, mm-hmm. the Leaf game with my kid. It's great and, one, I heard. And he – we got there early, and he was down on the glass yeah. for warm-up, which is great. Like, that's if you do have a kid and you, you're lucky enough to go down to the Leaf game, make sure you get there early for warm-up so they can be up on the glass just to see – you know, these players up, mm-hmm. up close and, and personal, even if your seats are not exactly in the 100 level, sure. which ours weren't. Um, but, yeah, you know who's on the ice with Austin Matthews at the very last dying seconds of warm-ups? I know. It's Mitch Marner. Yes, it is. And you know who splits the A with Austin Matthews? It's Mitch Marner. It's Mitch Marner. You know who needs to make the money he does? And it's not over Austin Matthews, but it's like within the ballpark before mm-hmm. this most recent extension. It's Mitch Marner. He views himself on that level. I'm just projecting here. Like, yeah. I don't know the guy. No, no, no. I, it, it's hard for me not to think that this would be a massive ego blow for him in his home market considering he's not having a down he's having a down year compared to last year he's not having a bad year he has 14 goals and 39 points in 36 games this season to not be an all-star in your hometown Mm -hmm. to watch two guys elevate above you Mm -hmm. that that would be it that'd be an interesting story i wonder how the man would respond to that yeah, I mean, you can you can see two ways, right? You could see a world where it causes a bit of a sulk and woe is me, but you could also see the chip on the shoulder. And hey, if that's what happens, and all of a sudden you see Marner go on an absolute second half tear, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, the other part of this as well, and I joked about this with you at Azo when we were talking about it, is he's not going to be left out completely because there's a skills contest. <laughs> I guess. But, even, the, but the problem guess. the problem with that Different is, is deal. well, and the problem is is like he's quick. But he's not uh, fast. Like, he's not mm-hmm. going in the fastest skater. Mm-hmm. You know, he's scored 35 goals, but he's not a shooter. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are they going to do? Bring him out to pass to somebody for the accuracy shooting? Because if I'm him, I, I'd say, you know, I'd just go away. Yeah. I don't need to sit here and pass <laughs> to somebody for, for 30 minutes. Uh, I will say that, like, generally, I don't even think about these all-star selections. Because, no. you know, like, so many guys have I d- do, declined I, it. I do and love it's... a little snub talk, though. Sure, but yeah, when you are talking about players from every single organization, it's 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 hard to talk about snubs a little bit. But yeah, sure. okay, I'll get I'll get down with some snub talk. This one feels different. 
Because it's here. If, we, just, we just had an earlier conversation right. about how Leaf games are the only games that matter. <laughs> so true. Across the sport. Like, no offense. And, you know, the, to a lesser extent, the other Canadian mm-hmm. franchises, and like the Habs, if they were any good, that yep. would still be a thing, too, especially yeah, yeah. for the French-Canadian for sure. players in the NHL. But Leaf games matter. The All-Star game doesn't matter any other year other than when it's here in Toronto. Last time it was here it was in 2000. It it won't be here again in this generation of yep. leafdom. This is your one opportunity if you're Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares for that matter, to get into an all-star game on home ice, a celebration of hockey in the hockey mecca. That, that I'm sorry, like it means something. It yep. has to mean something. Even maybe to William Nylander, for who sure. nothing means anything to. But so I, I think he's going to be in. I, th- I think he's for sure going to be in. The other interesting part of this is that, you know, we've seen it. I remember when the All-Star game was in Tampa. They loaded up there. Part of it was that Vasilevsky's a goalie. So when you have a good goalie, a little easier to get your guy in. But people don't have a hatred for the Tampa. Well, I mean, like we do here. But people, by and large, don't have a hatred for the Tampa Bay Lightning. As much as there will be Leaf fans saying, we need to get as many of the Leafs in as we can. Yes, Matthew's going to be there. We all feel confident that Nylander will be there. But let's stuff, let's stuff the ballots. Let's put Riley and Tavares and Marner there. Mm. I imagine, because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in the past we'll get like a tentpole vote of, oh, we're halfway through the voting. Here's yes. what it looks like. I could see a world where the other, specifically Canadian franchises go, we got to start stuffing the ballot box. We cannot allow this to happen. Like, as much as Leaf fans will do the thing that every fan base does when they get the game. Best of luck to you. There's still more Leaf fans. There there for sure are. But that's the thing I am am curious about is if we see a flip side of this. Because normally people go, all right, cool. You have the All-Star game. Mm. Good to you. Who could possibly care if one extra Shark or Canuck or Lightning gets in? But when it's the Leafs, yeah, there's way more of them. And they're the fan base that matters the most. I don't need to tell everybody the truth. But there's also, they are also the fan base, the only one that garners opinion from outside, mm-hmm. outside teams as well. We'll see. Can't Could be a, a growing narrative. All right, time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Leafs in San Jose for hockey night in Canada tomorrow night against the Sharks. And uh, Sharks are... Uh, falling on hard times recently, mm-hmm. uh, by which I mean this entire season, but specifically the last 10 games in which they've lost all of them. Um, we don't know a Leafs starter in goal yet, but uh, here's what we do know. Leafs have been very good on the road this season. Mm-hmm. They've been very good on this road trip through California, taking all four points against the Kings and Ducks. And the Sharks, they can't score and they allow a lot of goals. That, that seems like a recipe <laughs> for a big Leafs win. Yeah, big Leafs win, big over. If you if you like that as well, I'd be floored if it's anybody other than Martin Jones. Leafs have always done well against this Sharks team, not so much in the recent iteration, but if you look at the kind of, you know, if you look at the track record for this kind of Matthews era group, they're lighting it up, they're on fire. They just put up nearly 60 shots against the Ducks. And most importantly, they came through. They're not leaving that game feeling mm-hmm. frustrated like that was all for naught, like it's fool's like it's fool's gold. They're going to be rolling in there. They have enough of a break. They want to end the trip strong. Tuesday at home, very different story. But, but Saturday in San Jose against a bad Sharks team, lost 10 straight, given yeah. up a ton, over, and Leafs win. Yeah, I, I, I know... <sighs> Like the the narrative that exists around this Leafs team that they don't get up for these bottom feeder teams, like that is true. But like sometimes the team is just so bad that you can't help but like sleepwalk your way mm-hmm. to a, a 5-1 victory, uh, which is what Hockey Night in Canada feels like. 
That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. When we come back, we'll talk to our Leafs historian. Damian Cox as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.